Welcome to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. It's a podcast about the Twilight Saga. We're reading the Twilight Saga. Specifically Twilight. We're talking about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. Specific enough? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> It'll be fun when it's a Twilight Saga podcast and we're talking about, like, Midnight Sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be the first okay. time that those things don't match because back in the day when we did Life and Death, we called it a Life and Death podcast. True. Yeah, we rebranded. Yeah. got that. Yeah. I'm Sam. That's Lori. She already said it, but mm-hmm. we said something at the same time. Mm-hmm. Get yep. a clean take. It's me. <laughs> yeah. You probably it's have me, listened to us before, so you probably remember me. I'm back. I didn't go anywhere. Well, here we are, podcasting from the fucking revolution. Yeah. <laughs> June 6th. Here we go. Yeah, spent... A little over four hours today in a caravan protest in San Diego, which was really cool. It was, like, organized by March for Black Women San Diego and Black Lives Matter San Diego. And it was a socially distant caravan car protest in 14 sites throughout San Diego County. It was really really well attended um i've like never seen that many people to protest like multiple people per car cars filling up like every road we were on today it was it was like wild it's incredible yeah fun times yeah not at all that's awesome (laughs) no it's terrible yeah things are bad things are bad (laughs) get out there somehow things are bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I've been really impressed with the Portland protests. Incredibly well attended, very well organized. Just like a lot of a lot of anger. It's usually like in- interesting to gauge like how Mainers respond to stuff like this. Yeah. Um, because Maine is so white. Um, but there's been like really great turnout and yeah. If any of you feel called to go out and protest, I would uh highly recommend you find a pl- protest that's run by Black people in your area. Absolutely. There's a huge difference between the energy and like demands and organization of protests based on who's organizing it so you definitely want to be around people who are from the community organizing should we talk about the twilight news that kind of ties into this (laughs) i guess it kind of ties into this can you imagine (laughs) let me pull this fucking thing up please do so stephanie meyer yeah Everyone living on planet Earth at this moment in time, but maybe if you're listening to this down the road, you forgot that this week on June... What was Tuesday's date? The 3rd. June 3rd, yeah. Wait. No, she, it was Wednesday. She usually does it Tuesdays, but it was Blackout Tuesday, so right. she didn't do so, it, which is oh, yeah. surprising. <laughs> Blackout Tuesday, she was going to post a blog post, but instead she posted it the following day. And you have that pulled up, right? Yes, I have it right with me right now. Should I just read it out loud? I guess, I yeah, discuss? yeah. I mean, oh my god. I just, okay, yeah, you should read it before okay. we talk. All right, so there's like a message and then there's a quote from Midnight Sun. Hey, Twilight readers. Just pretend I'm Stephanie Meyer. Okay. I promise you a bit of fun today, and I'll keep that promise, though it seems a very trivial thing right now. The important thing is that you and your families are safe, that everyone in italics is safe. Life feels pretty grim, but there are things we can do. We can affect change in our homes and our communities. If you're looking for resources on education, advocacy, places to donate, or ways to help, please check out some of the links below. It's a place to start. The Obama Foundation mm-hmm. is a wonderful resource for education on police violence and anti-racism, mm-hmm. ways to take action, and information on organizes, organizations that encourage reform. I have some thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Cut has very informative articles called how to support the struggle against police brutality. It details helpful ways to safely support protests right now. Vote.org allows you to check your registration status, register to vote, and request absentee ballots. It also provides election COVID-19 information and the handy election protection guide. Deep breath. (laughs) Now back to the trivial fun. Actually, before we get there, I'm going to critique her choice of of links. These are not good links. <laughs> the fact that she avoided in any way in her own, uh, like, addressing of, like, what's going on right now, aside from, like, describing what these organizations do, was unwilling to use the word police brutality or racism until she described, like, oh, you can go to the Obama Foundation to talk about police brutality and racism, and it's like... Right. Just, well, it's just not that hard to say Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not. It's, like, uh, the easiest thing you can do. It's, like... 
Of course. If you I never it. expected her to be any better than this. At like I'm honestly shocked that she said anything. Like yeah, shocked. Um, this whole post was pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah. Stephanie I went through a an emotional journey and I aged like twenty years reading this post. <laughs> For anyone at home who like doesn't get why we're shitting on her choices right now i don't i mean i guess i don't know our audience well enough to like say i think people are probably um, at different points in their journey of learning for about, sure um like police brutality and like different conversations sure. around abolition and even voting right <laughs> and obama yeah even voting um yeah th- there's a lot of discourse right now if you're not clued into it happening around reform versus abolition we are very much of the abolitionist mindset here on this podcast Mm -hmm. the difference between police abolition and police reform or prison abolition reform is that reform basically insinuates that this is a system that is ultimately good and is worth fixing and abolition understands that that's untrue fundamentally and that these are systems that are designed to work exactly in the harmful ways that they are working so when people especially like white people are talking about reform it is absolutely meaningless to be honest yeah it Um, assumes that like the police force as a whole is able to follow laws Right. Or, like, guidelines for behavior that they've demonstrated that they are unable to do and that the system was not built for them to do anyway. If you're interested in prison abolition and learning more about it, you can... We'll God, put some links. Where to start? Yeah, we can put some I'll links. I'll put some I links. I think um, Mariam Kaba and Angela, Angela Davis. Davis are a great place to start. Yeah. Probably, honestly, like, our prison's obsolete is the best... Obsolete is uh, the best place to start. For sure. Yeah, that's a great book. There's been a lot of really good resources circulating around. Um, There's a lot of really good places to educate yourself um, and help people. And they're not the Obama Foundation, vote.org, or whatever the fuck else she said. The Cut article, which I don't know. I can't speak to that. I haven't read it. I'm sure it's fine, but I don't know what the calls to action are. Right. And I'm not going to (laughs) check. Again, shocking that she even addressed it. I mean, maybe not because she's trying to like have a bunch of people buy into this. Like she's she's doing sales right now. For sure. You know, and she wants to make sure yeah. that she captures like as many people to buy this book as possible. A lot of companies are using like the bare minimum statements about police brutality and like Black Lives Matter without saying those things to secure their consumers and make sure that they're not like betrayed if she released us something about midnight sun on wednesday and like didn't provide these resources there would be backlash so it's kind of just like the bare minimum that everyone is expected to do which is good that like we're setting a a precedent socially right now that like you have to yeah acknowledge what's happening if you want to say anything at all (laughs) it's hilarious to think about the way that stephanie meyer has like tangibly impacted people of color specifically like indigenous people of color and also like not represented black people in her work at all and it's laughable to see her like do this now it makes me kind of wonder if she'll pull some like weird diversity stunt in midnight sun and like do some revisionist like diversity in the way that like jk rowling sometimes does when she talks about her work in like retrospect back to this bullshit statement stephanie deep breath now back to the trivial fun from now until the midnight sun released on august 4th every tuesday and friday we'll be posting a quote from the book that's a lot of fucking quotes today the 17th anniversary of the day i started writing twilight we'll post the first enjoy be safe stay healthy and enjoy again enjoy for a second time makes me feel old (laughs) as shit yeah (laughs) you're fucking real oh my god here's the quote though and i have so many fucking thoughts about this it's so good it's so good i have to be honest i did cry (laughs) (laughs) i mean talk about revisionist history here Uh i feel like this must be heavily influenced by critiques of twilight this is our doing personally oh yeah we did this yeah (laughs) Here's the quote. We stared at each other for a moment while I processed the fact that just as she was my first love, according to this, I was also her first dot 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 infatuation at the very least dot dot dot. This alignment pleased me in some strange way, but also troubled me. Surely this was a warped, unhealthy way for her to begin her romantic life. I can't believe. It almost just... Edward of 2006 would never. It makes me like... Lots of words. I I just can't. I like I cannot believe it. it's it's like definitely in line with the dramatic like nature of Edward for sure. It, yeah, it, this is Edward foreshadows like him leaving 
in Midnight Sun, or in Midnight Sun, New Moon, for sure. And who is this? Edward. <laughs> who is I've this? I've never met him before. <laughs> I don't know. This is such, like, a poignant, like, this was a choice to make this the first quote that she was releasing. And, like, I doubt that these quotes are, like, the same quotes that are from the Midnight Sun that we already know. Like, I'd be surprised if she was re-releasing stuff that was already out there. Yeah. So, I, like, wonder what part of the story this is from. Is this, like, the meadow? They're acknowledging that they are each other's first love or that they're in love or getting close to or acknowledging that. So I bet it's like around the meadow. Yes. And it would be hilarious if it was like the first time they met. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're like wanting to get all this insight from Edward, but it's actually just his extremely warped view of what's going on at all times. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait. Okay, I, re- I really need to get to the I know. second quote, though, that I haven't read. I can't wait to react to this. Maybe we should save them from now on to yeah. react to you on the air. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Because it'll be me. two each time. Okay. Okay, now they're just all going to be in, like, one spot on the website. There's no, like, letter accompanying this okay. one. Okay, is it still in the graphic form? With yes. Like the- okay, okay, okay. It's like this, it's a similar one. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to close my eyes and picture it. I can't believe I'm giving you this information. Okay. (laughs) Her uncanny premonitions reached so far, stretched their tentacles so deep into the future that even she didn't understand all the actions she took. Somehow she'd sensed, years before Bella had chosen to come to Forks, that at some point I would be facing this most bizarre trial. Perhaps she was omniscient after all. What? What the fuck? (laughs) Alice, I love that this information <laughs> so much. <laughs> so that also so good. begs the question: Edward knows that Bella's coming for so yeah, much like, longer than I think we knew about. Yeah, I mean, I'm so curious to see how the Alice stuff is going to play out because Stephanie Meyer did say when she was writing Life and Death that she did tweak some of the the future telling stuff because she realized that she had made some mistakes so i'm wondering if some of that's going to be happening here in ways that don't mess up the plot we understand that alice's visions are supposed to be like based on decisions that are made not like fate yeah or anything like there's no such thing as fate in this universe according to what we know right and there's some decision that was made by someone somewhere along the line that made bella come here that was not bella's decision to come to forks obviously Right. Maybe, like, Renee meeting Phil or, like, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, it like... It could be... Yeah, it could be Any anything. of that. Or it could be Bella being born. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, my god. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. I Just, hate like, that. the Renee <laughs> Jacob full circle stuff, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish that we knew so much more about everyone's gifts, I think, like... Yeah. Throughout the chunk that we read, you learn a little bit more about Jasper's gift... Yeah, I loved it. it. It's so good. And I just like wish we knew more about everyone's. I also did a little bit of research for today about James, Victoria, and Laurent. And they have like two of, two of them have gifts that are really, really interesting. Just like on the note of like cops. For sure. Like I'm just thinking about this for the first time. I'm sure someone else has thought about, about, thought about it before. The discourse in the fandom seems to be, I mean, there's a lot of people that love Jasper, but there's a lot of like critique of jasper for sure there's a lot of people who like disavow jasper for his confederate Mm -hmm, past mm -hmm. but really like jasper is is the one who left that life behind because he realized that it it wasn't right and he didn't like it and people love charlie but charlie's the one who's still the cop (laughs) you're right that's absolutely true it's funny because it's like when jasper pulls away from maria and that life in the confederacy (laughs) he doesn't Mm -hmm. do it because of slavery or racism though that's true. He does it because of violence. It's true. As a concept. It's a very apolitical thing. Yeah, yeah, which is a very, yeah, it's an apolitical way out for Stephanie to not make a statement on the Civil War, which, you know, shouldn't be the controversial. Civil war. Should not be controversial yeah. in the 2000s when she's writing about it. You know what I mean? Like, she yeah. should have been able to be like, he decided he didn't want to be a Confederate fucking soldier, so he pieced out of there. But instead, she was like, the violence and, like, the way of life really got to him and it's like it's not it's the vampire way of life too it's not the human stuff that he was doing it yeah was the the vampire violence not violence against humans or anything that he did as a human but i think you're right it's like charlie is like a police officer and there's no critical discourse about what that means in the book which like 
honestly for the time period makes sense but like yeah right now i would think you'd be hard pressed to find a police officer anywhere in the world who hasn't had to think about the role their role in systemic racism even if they I'm don't sure believe, that they don't but like but they have to be aware have to, of the people problems, are aware yeah. that, the, that other people are thinking about it at least for sure you yeah. know like they have to Especially right now be like that's not me or whatever there's like this tweet that went around recently that was like next season on brooklyn 99 which is like a cop comedy show sitcom whatever they should just like become postal workers and not explain it and yes. i was like this is what yeah. i've been saying about you've charlie been saying about being charlie. a park ranger so today in forks it is 55 degrees and raining the low is 44 it will be similar temperatures throughout the week and it is going to rain every single day wow Okay, let's talk about the plot. <laughs> as much as I'd like to ignore that it's there, we yeah. must talk Every about the plot. Every time we get to this point in the story, I forget that it's there. It feels like a completely different book. I think this plot is so much... Which is interesting because, let me say, Twilight is my favorite of the series. Yeah. This is my least favorite plot. I think New Moon, it's Eclipse, sad. and Breaking Dawn are all more interesting than the plot of Twilight. Sure. I do enjoy the vibes of Twilight much more. <laughs> mm, the vibes are so strong. <laughs> it's very sad. I felt sad during a lot of this. I put off reading chapter 19 for a really long time. I read chapter 18 like a week ago. And then... Oh, really? I yeah. put off chapter 19. I think 19 might be the saddest chapter. I think so, too. I think, like, it's rivaled by the last chapter in Life and Death. Yes. Which was horrific. It's very sad. Yeah, there's also kind of, like, some horror elements coming in, I feel. Like, yeah. the, the chase and everything is kind of scary. There's, like, real fear here. Also, looking yeah. into the backstories of, like, James Laurent and Victoria, Victoria's is very, very sad. I forget it. Let's talk about it because she's here now yeah let's do it so let's talk about them so we meet james victoria and laurent i'm gonna go in i'm gonna do james victoria and laurent in order yeah okay. so james was from a trapper family like a family of trappers of like okay. i guess animals if you think about like the french trappers he's from pennsylvania around 1780 he was born and around 1805 he was turned so he's about 25 ish and it's present day northwestern pennsylvania near lake erie so the end of the american revolution and he came from a family of trappers and then i don't know why i was surprised I wasn't surprised, but horrified. For no reason, Daphne decided in his backstory that the Iroquois killed his parents when he was 11. Oh, there is oh my fucking God. No mention of them before or after or the relationship between that to the rest of his life. It literally just says in the illustrated guide, his parents were killed by Iroquois oh when my God, he was 11, Stephanie, but he was so you. good at trapping that he was fine and able to sustain himself. And this I was is like, so fucked up. You did that for what? Yeah. You could have had them die of an illness. Anything. Anything, anything else. Oh my god. I was like, can you Oh my believe? god. Can you believe she did that? She was like, Yes, I can. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's like, ah, why did you do it? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um he What year was that? Seven eighteen. Eighteen oh five. Or well, it would be like a few years before that, so like the end of the 1700s. Honestly, hot take, it was the Iroquois' right to kill James' parents. Absolutely. <laughs> um, fuck James, too. Oh fuck my God. James, also. <laughs> when he was a child, he was extremely good at trapping. He was also ugly. It says he was ugly and that everyone called him like the best trapper, but also the ugliest. And I was like, okay. This and is her poor excuse for a tragic backstory of a villain. Yeah, and so then she says he's super, super confident about how good he is at trapping. And so this French man comes to the area. This man is a vampire, but James doesn't know that. And he challenges him to a trapping contest. So James marks a deer, like with paint or whatever the fuck you mark a deer with, and then releases it for like a day or something like that, like a significant amount of time, and then goes and hunts it and tracks it down and brings it back and or is about to do that. And so they're going to do that at the same time. The vampire, obviously, with like far superior senses and speed, tracks it down in just a few minutes 
and yeah. brings it back to him and is kind of like laughing and they made a, a bet on it and it was like a life or death bet so basically like this vampire is gonna kill james james doesn't know this person's a vampire right and then james is like the only logical way that you could have beat me is if you have some unfair advantage and if i had the advantage that you had i would win so the vampire is like impressed with how cocky he is and he's not even really that upset that he's like literally about to be killed and so he's like, ha ha ha, I'm going to turn you into a vampire and then we'll have a rematch in 10 to 20 years. It says that James is really cool with being turned into a vampire, except for the fact that he has now this like need to continue the hunt or the trap. And so he takes about six months and kills his creator after tracking him down, switches to tracking vampires because tracking humans is now boring to him. The way that his power is described, his like tracking ability is that it's like a sixth sense and he has kind of like a premonition of where those people are going to be so he would Hmm. catch someone's scent in public and then leave for like a month and then come back to it and try to smell it in the same spot that he was and then go after them and so he got sick of doing that to humans and he was like wow this is really boring and so he tracks vampires instead when he comes across them and he finds victoria more on that later with victoria after that when he's with victoria because they eventually become mates he finds alice who's his like singer which is like the term that this universe uses for people that smell like really really good to a particular vampire so for example bella is edward's singer and so we know a little bit of this from life and death but alice's vampire caretaker in the asylum bit her because alice saw james coming and had a premonition while she was still human and so her vampire caretaker turns her into a vampire james gets mad because he can't have alice's blood and that the hunt is ruined for him and he kills alice's creator and then he gave up on alice because he didn't see her as like a worthwhile pursuit as a vampire because she was so small he just mm-hmm. assumed that she wouldn't have any like particular like powers or be able to outrun or like chase out chase him and so mm-hmm. he gave up on that hunt until twilight that is nuts that's interesting that um there was like i mean with with alice and bella it's like he does hunt the humans because of their association with vampires yeah that's james he's fucking wild Victoria's is very sad. Victoria was born in the 1550s. So she's older than James. Wow. Yeah. Like significantly. She would be like a Renaissance woman. Yeah. But she's from England. Wow. Um, Her mom was a scullery maid, which is a kitchen maid. And her dad was the master of the house. That's like the only detail that's given in the illustrated guide. And it's like, if you're the master of the house, the scullery maid is not your wife. What? Let me let me Google that. The scullery maid is like the person who works in the kitchen. Operational head, like a chief operating officer of below stairs elements of the royal households. So he oh. was like in charge of the operations of whatever house they were living in. Okay, so he, so was, he staff. was staff as well. Okay. In charge um, of domestic staff, basically. Okay. So they're not very well off. Her sister Anne is described as being much more conventionally beautiful. And Victoria is very witchy because of her red hair red hair is associated with witchcraft she's also just like i don't know she's just like more quirky i guess i have no memory of this at all they have no like way of making money for themselves so her sister Anne and her go and they work for a pimp and so they are doing sex work in 15 60s 70s england um Anne disappears mysteriously and the pimp blames Victoria for it and tries to make things worse for her. So she leaves and becomes a cat burglar. She's just like basically like living on the streets. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, it's not really clear, but she's young. Like she's a young woman. Anne comes back and finds her and Anne was a vampire at this point and brought Victoria to a house with Heidi, the one from the Volturi, um, Mary and Hilda, who are all vampire women, and turns Victoria into a vampire. Anne was taken by Hilda 
to these women because she took pity on how hard she had it as a very beautiful sex worker. And so then she went back and rescued Victoria from that life as well when she was able. So basically what they did was they would go out and rescue young women who were being harmed or like were unable to whatever, which is like really cool. Oh yeah. Um, and like they live, it, it like describes them living really peacefully. None of them are very power hungry and they're all very content to live together in this house that they have and they're just like chilling like in the english countryside how beautiful they bring in another newborn or they create another newborn noella and then the volturi are like they visit the volturi visit like aro aro caius jane and they accuse them of having too high a profile which heidi and hilda are like that's bullshit like we don't have a high profile and they're like you create too many newborns And so they attack. Heidi is the only one that's, like, repentant, I guess. And so that's why she gets to stay with the Volturi. Mary, Hilda, Anne, and Noella all are, like, they all, everyone flees. All of them are captured, but Victoria gets away. She's the only one that gets away. And she avoids all vampires from then on because she doesn't trust them until she meets James. Oh, my God. The way that Victoria and James meet is James catches her scent, is really intrigued, and Victoria, which I totally forgot, has a supernatural vampire power of self-preservation, right. which was said to, like, help her. Like, it was something that she had from childhood, and it, like, carried on into her vampire life, which is how she got away from the Volturi. But it only works when she's truly in danger. So what happened mm. was James, after chasing Victoria for so long, it's his longest hunt yet, started to become enamored with Victoria after like catching little glimpses of her here and there um, before she would like get away from him. He started to not have like, he didn't intend to harm her anymore. He just wanted to like catch up to her. And because right. she was able to perceive that through her sense of self-preservation that he was no longer a threat she allowed herself to get captured by him. That is wild. Yeah. It's literally so wild. I didn't remember (laughs) any of it. I was like, this is fascinating. So that's Victoria's and James's story. Laurent. We'll get to this in the book. He is not black in the book. He is described as having olive skin. He's the third son of a family in the 1700s in France. And he was a nobleman but his family was like financially embarrassed and so he had like few prospects he took like a minor position in like the sun court of louis the whatever i read one of them roman numerals and i blacked out um (laughs) he had a knack from birth of social climbing by attaching onto powerful people so this russian delegation visits the french court when he's around like 40 and this russian diplomat boris who's a vampire is there and laurent is immediately drawn to him can sense that he's powerful and becomes friends with him goes back to russia with him after they become friends and they build up a rapport boris trusts laurent with telling him he's a vampire and laurent asks to become a vampire so he was completely consensually turned into a vampire because he wanted to social climb and then so kind of like all three of them were kind of yeah it's really weird That is so weird. He hung out with Boris for a little bit longer, but then he had the inkling that there were other more powerful vampires. His uh, desire to social climb did not go away. So he hooked up, not sexually, he found Vlad, (laughs) the Romanian (laughs) vampire, um, who was still like, it says like he had like this aura of power about him from Mm -hmm. like the olden days when he used to like run the show. And so he hung out with him for a little bit, but he eventually, after hearing about the Volturi from um, Boris and Vlad, went to join the Volturi, who Mm. immediately rejected him because they touched his hand and saw that he had been associated with Vlad before and Mm. was like, you're going to betray us so you can't be a part of our thing. And then he wandered from then on and just like joined James because James in his attitude, it says, had an aura of invincibility that Laurent perceived as, like, powerful. And so until the events in Twilight hung out with James, followed him around. They have much more interesting stories than I remembered them having. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall that at all. I probably read it, like, a long time ago, but completely forgot. 
That's so interesting about Victoria. Like, that's like the first time I've heard of, in a while at least, um, of like a woman vampire turning another woman into a vampire. I feel like it's always men in like the predominant narrative of Twilight. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I don't remember like the Denali's. I don't remember how, like where they came from. I don't either. I should read, I'll read into that when we meet them. That is so interesting. Oh my God. Right? Like the depth is really like reinforces like they're only the antagonists of this story because of the way that the story is told you know for sure like they have fascinating lives like james is an asshole but like laurent and victoria are fascinating i mean just from that story i find it interesting that victoria would go on to like do the things that she does i I feel like it almost doesn't really track yeah i think that makes sense like she seems smarter than if she was really self-preserving she wouldn't go after the cullens she wouldn't make a newborn army no that's so risky yeah interesting wow (laughs) well mad respect mad respect so now that we've uh put off the plot we should probably actually talk about the plot for an hour yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um okay cool so the plot is here these three fascinating vampires are here in the field the first thing that really stood out to me here chapter 18 was that stephanie describes them as being dressed in the ordinary gear of backpackers but apparently the ordinary gear of backpackers is jeans (laughs) and casual button-down shirts maybe like a flannel would make sense but when i hear button-down shirt i think like a dress shirt so and never why would you hike in jeans yeah anyway yeah When he when they describe Laurent, it says the man in the front was easily the most beautiful, his skin olive toned beneath the typical pallor. Pallor is a word pallor. that you know basically means pale. So what is Stephanie even saying here? What does olive toned mean? I I'm gonna Google what olive toned means because olives come in several colors. Mm-hmm. Where does the guide say he's from? France. France. Mm-hmm. Olive skin tone. I associate it with like southern europeans yeah southeast europe she never describes white skin as anything other than pale pale and white so like when she uses another word i'm like this has got to be a person of color right yeah like the the pictures that i'm seeing when i google olive skin tone not that like google's algorithm should be like telling us anything but like yeah (laughs) they say rihanna has an olive undertone a lot of people that i assume are middle eastern eastern european Catherine hardwick did that for us Catherine hardwick put people of color in twilight and then they got to stay in twilight it's really amazing the way that that went down to like yeah i'm sure many people are aware but like Catherine hardwick was like let's put black people in twilight and stephanie was like only if they're the villain that's so fucked up not people of color black people in twilight black people yeah yeah and that's literally like it's tyler and laurent it's a huge contrast between how laurent is um described in here with all his tone all of skin tone and his hair a glossy black to eddie gathegi's dreads yeah. um yeah. which i think are an amazing choice and an accurate choice like he wouldn't have glossy perfectly taken care of hair as like a person no. with naturally dreading hair in right like in a nomadic lifestyle where you admittedly have not freshened up in a while and victoria has leaves and debris in her hair yeah these these vampires are nasty yeah they're grimy little kids yeah Yeah. (laughs) and they're owning it yeah he's a french accent which i find interesting because apparently no one else has an accent indicating where they're from until breaking dawn (laughs) yes that's the question it's like maybe people who fluently speak two languages can answer this and have for like a really long time does he have agency in whether his accent changes or like fades because mm. like okay carlisle has been alive for like a really long time and like it makes sense that maybe his like whatever he spoke like back in the day would fade away yeah depending on how you've been living maybe because carlisle's been assimilated laurent hasn't been assimilated but he also hasn't yeah. been around people speaking french probably actually they do go over all, the, all over the world something else that i read in the illustrated guide is that the three of them james's coven mm-hmm. is what they call it which is interesting chased a werewolf all the way through like across russia into siberia not knowing what it was because they picked up that it was like a different smell than they'd ever smelled before and they chased it across siberia and they couldn't catch it and never caught up to it and so they didn't even know that they existed until laurent saw them or sees them in new moon interesting how much agency do you have over like whether your accent changes if you're a vampire who's been alive for like 300 years you know 
Yeah, yeah. So much of you gets frozen when you become a vampire and like preserved, but at the same time, they lose a lot of human memories, but apparently hold on to a lot of like traditions, Edward looking at you (laughs) so i think sometimes like bella will describe them talking in like the cadence of a past time which is different than the accent of a past time you know last time i was shitting on edward for loving baseball but it's like isn't that such a chicago thing for him to do i guess yeah what if he when he said like you want to play some ball like slipped into a chicago accent oh my god robert pattinson would nail that when like jasper slips into his like southern accent and yeah. eclipse i literally like lose my mind it's so funny anyway they're there it's tense jasper is using his thing but like not not only for like a second he like does it to the point where like they can have a casual conversation but it's still but then he stops the implication behind everything is still that it's like a really tense situation and like maybe it prevents the other vampires from reading it as tense but like you can't control the fact that all the columns know it's a dangerous situation but i'm just wondering because like 378 379 is when they realize that bella is a human and things start to escalate really fast like instantaneously is jasper even trying at this point like can and he, because apparently he's he's so powerful that like if he puts his hand on you, he can put you to sleep. He wouldn't be able to stop the hunt indefinitely, but he could probably. I don't know. I'm just confused about. I don't know. How I, that yeah, works. they're trying instead of the way that they do it in the movie is they just try to distract them by getting those three to like sub in for a few of the Collins to play baseball and instead they invite them back to their home so that they can talk about how they maintain a permanent residence which honestly these three vampires do seem extremely interested in Laurent especially he's like oh my god like I can't believe that you do that like how is that possible they avoid the conversation of talking about vegetarianism I feel like that'd be like a nice ball to drop right away. I would say it to everyone. Do they not notice the color of their eyes? I know, I was wondering that. Like, they have super sight and they're... They don't, don't pick up on Bella being human until this, like, breeze blows their way. Even though, like, Alice says that she can smell her across the field. They don't pick up on the color of the Cullen's eyes. I don't understand. Maybe they're just caught off guard. Like, it's not something they've ever encountered before, so they wouldn't expect it i really like carlisle in this section you can like see him be the leader of this coven and he's like very very firm which i found really interesting i think it's a good thing for him to be the leader like obviously it's natural the way that it happened but if you think about the reactions of everyone else like jasper i think is too suspicious Emmett's ready to fight. Emmett would just literally fight. Um, yeah. Like, Rosalie doesn't think it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Alice would have, like, Alice has too much information to effectively communicate, like, why she's making the choices she's making to her family. Edward is, like, and fucking Edward's feral. And Edward's distracted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, so feral here. Like, he's, like, growling. He's an animal here. And, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and Esme is just, like, chilling. But it makes sense, yeah. like, that Carlisle is, like, the diplomatic one. This just feels like a different book. It's such a quick shift from being a book about mostly humans with one vampire and some other vampires like in the background to being a book about one human and all vampires totally bella's world changes on this day for sure laurent when they like start talking about bella being human carlisle Mm -hmm. is really firm with just saying she's with us (laughs) james is like you brought a snack um (laughs) and carlisle's like she's with us and laurent (laughs) is not aggressive or like hungry i guess or anything like that he's just like astounded bella can see that he's just like interested immediately establishing that like laurent is not going to be the threat (laughs) is it laurent that says you brought a snack or is it james i can't tell oh i guess i think it's laurent they gave that line to james in the movie which makes sense because it's kind of like the menacing line yeah it's funny though if it's not said in like a threatening way it's funny yeah it's like if it wasn't said by james in the movie laurent would be like you brought a snack to this baseball game like yeah i feel like that's hilarious contextually yeah like probably the funniest thing laurent has seen in days right or like oh you brought a snack yeah (laughs) yeah like Like, thanks i could see if that was played in a different way like in our comedy remake of twilight yeah emmett laughing out loud yeah like (laughs) (laughs) i could see emmett like i almost wonder in this moment like why they don't just say yes you know yeah like oh yeah we brought a snack that might not change anything like well i don't know 
I guess, yeah. I don't I know what it is for James. James, I, I feel like it's Edward's reaction is how That's they what he says. it. But it's like, it's also yeah. her blood. I, guess, I don't know. I don't know. But it's weird. It, it's like, what if they said like, oh yeah, we did bring a snack, but we're going to eat her. You can't have like, any. Later, we're just like keeping her around for fun. She's like our little pet. Would that not solve it? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh man. I feel like when they're actually at the house, like quite a bit later on, and Laurent is like warning them, and he like looks at Bella and he's like, "Are you sure this is worth it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Edward almost tears him a new one. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, it's so funny. Also, like at this point, like the nomads don't know about the Cullen's gift, like gifts. Yeah. And like, yeah, they've had limited exposure to what I understand to other vampires, so like they probably think having a gift is like not the norm, which I guess. Stephanie tries to convince us it's true, even though all of the vampires that we run into have some sort of gift, except for, like, a few of them. And so it's, like, they have a huge advantage on the nomads. Like, they could just fucking brawl right then and there. I honestly feel like maybe Emmett's approach to this would have been better. Yeah, if they used all of their powers against them right then, they probably could have just won. But I guess the point is that they don't want to kill people if they don't have to, which I kind of found surprising that, like, later on, Bella is talking about how she's going to go to Phoenix and, like, stay there, like, get a place. Yeah. Basically, her and Edward would uproot their entire lives to just, like, hide from this vampire instead of just killing that guy. Yeah, it it's just weird. seems like Emmett would have done it. I think Jasper would have done it. Honestly, I think, oh, yeah. like, Rosalie wouldn't have been happy Rosalie. about it, but she would have done it. And so would have, yeah. like, I feel like everyone would have done it except for, like, Carlisle and Edward. Like, I feel like if they had have had, like, one conversation in that moment, like, if they could have huddled... Yeah. <laughs> Huddle. Like, <laughs> they could have just, like, had, like, a little, like, check-in moment, like, and just be like, hey, should Feeling we just weird. fucking go for it? Like, yeah. like I think they should have, but whatever. When they run to take Bella home, or, like, away, not home, Alice and Emmett are also in the car, um, and yeah. Emmett is basically being used as, like, a restraint to Bella to, like, yeah. keep yeah. her in place and keep, keep her-, her from, like, throwing herself out the car. Yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> this part is so wild. First of all, I feel pissed off that they didn't include Alice and Emmett in the car in the movie. Like, Emmett's literally, like, holding her hands in his to keep her from, like, going anywhere, doing anything. They, like, really deny her so much agency here. I used that exact word. Like, they will not listen to her. Edward is completely ignoring all three of them in the car. To be fair, I think that... He's so angry. Alice and Emmett don't really give her the time of day in the beginning. They come around. Yeah. Edward does not until much no. later. Edward says a lot of stuff in this in this section that I was like, what are you saying? Like, I don't know. They're just not listening to her at all. And she ends up being the one like with the right plan. Yeah. Edward tells her to be quiet. Yeah. Which like maybe is to prevent her from being heard by James or something. But I don't know. They it never explain weird. it like that, though. Like she never gets the closure on that of like your boyfriend's not being an asshole. He's just trying to get you to stop like talking. But it's like. Bella, like, literally, like, after this should address with him, like, that he can't just decide what's happening because he's a vampire. Right. Especially when he has so much fewer stakes in the game than she does, because she has a hell of a lot more to lose in this than Edward does. For sure. Edward's family is fine. Bella's entire life is, like, so fragile compared to his, and she, and he's like, I'm gonna make the decision for you, and you have no say. Fuck off. Right. He's only concerned, really, with, like, saving her and like nothing else that she cares about at first but i really stand the way that she is like yelling at him yeah she literally says like i demand that you take me home Uh, my favorite is damn it edward (laughs) (laughs) you're right (sighs) she's saying you have to take me back charlie will call the fbi they'll be all over your family carlisle and esme they'll have to leave to hide forever and he says calm down bella his voice was cold we've been there before when have you been there before like i know that they have to uproot their lives all the time but like have they been in a situation like this yeah i I, they never talk about if they've ever been close to being found out like people could be suspicious like oh they look like they they don't age you know but like that's I feel like they haven't been forced out of something right like this. Yeah. I don't understand. Maybe they're talking about when they pick up new family members. When they were living in Rochester and they picked yeah. up Rosalie, obviously they couldn't hang around for that much longer with like a dead girl from the town. 
True, which would be this situation. Yeah, if Bella had gotten changed. Or even if they were just pulling her away and, and keeping her, they they would have to do something to make it seem like they weren't involved in that. Yeah, there would be no connection between Rosalie and the Cullens in the way that there's a right. connection between... True. Yeah. Alice is so calm. A calm queen, we stand. Like, if um, I were Alice, though, and I was dealing with Edward, like, this, this whole fucking chapter just, like, really hounds home for me, like, why Rosalie is 100% right in being so yeah. pissed off with Edward all the time, because if he acts like this to them... Like, if I were Alice and, I, like, I could see the fucking future and Edward mm-hmm. talked to me like I didn't know a shit, I would be like, mm-hmm. excuse me, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, Yeah, and so he can mad. read your mind and knows knows exactly w- what futures you're seeing. Like, And ugh, he still somehow thinks his, like, way is better. He snaps at her and Emmett and Bella both stare at him in shock, but Alice seems unsurprised, obviously. The silence lasted for a long minute as Edward and Alice stared each other down. They're obviously, like, having some sort of psychic conversation, and, like, the way I feel about that is the Eric Andre meme of, like, at the White House gates. He's like, let me in! Let me in! <laughs> like, then yeah. you want Midnight Sun, like, let me inside your mind. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Bella comes up with this incredible so rude. plan. Like, he's such an asshole. I would be yeah. so angry i i wouldn't get over it too i feel like she forgives him so fast and i'd be like we i think he gets lucky in the fact that like she almost dies and is too traumatized to stay angry at him right. because i would be like we have to just have a conversation about boundaries and decision making in this relationship yeah every goddamn day apparently bella comes up with a plan emmett's surprised yeah and insultingly so yeah but then impressed and then, I love the bonding here. Yeah, I like this. There's some yeah. really sweet um, Bella and Emmett moments. Part of her plan, as you mentioned earlier, is to get a place in Phoenix. She says, I'm quite old enough to get my own place. No, you are not. You're not. You're 17. You're not. You're 17. <laughs> Why does she think she's so much older than she is? Like, even legally, I don't think that she could get a place. No, you can't rent a hotel unless you're... 18 or you have like a parent's permission and she wouldn't be able to convince charlie that she would need a hotel room in phoenix when her true fucking house is there yeah, yeah. you know true yeah. or renee for that matter it's just like a weird moment it's, it's a strange comment i'm like why is that your first thing that you're going to it's obviously not what you're gonna do yeah <laughs> edward's like <laughs> just so stern i'm like relax dad oh my god he's such a control freak he thinks he's right like i hate this version of edward yeah. like that people yeah. say this all the time about like how you need to understand how your partner acts in like a stressful situation in order to Absolutely. see their true colors and it's like edward is clearly in stressful situations in crisis like controlling Useless. and unable to like come up with a plan that is well thought through or hear others yeah. And he's also, like, rude as shit to everyone around him. Like, his siblings, like, even he says, like, can Jasper handle this? You can tell how used to him they are, both Alice and Emma especially. It's almost like a kindness that they're extending to him, knowing that, like, this is just how he is and they're not surprised really at all, for the most part. But he doesn't seem to extend that back because he's, like questioning everything about them things that he's saying to bella like on 386 he's like bella please just do this my way just this once it's like when do we do things her way like she says i want to go to seattle and you say how about we hike instead and then she says we're taking my truck and he says why don't we take my car instead and you always get what you want she says i need you to not spy on me in gym class and he's like I'm not going to do that. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's like, he has this perception that giving in on, like, some trivial things, like, oh, like, you get to, like, drive her truck because it makes it look more convincing to Charlie or something like that, or, like, less suspicious to Charlie, like, translates to her getting her way. It's like, her getting her way doesn't count when it's the best way. That's just, like, following a good plan. She's the brains of this operation. Clearly. Emmett says she's diabolical. Yeah. We love that. And it just, like, wants, a, like, a swing at James. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Edward, like, closes this this whole chapter by smiling at Alice and saying, keep your opinions to yourself. If I were Alice and I had been disrespected in the way that I was in this chapter, 
I would simply immediately tell Bella everything I knew about Edward, about <laughs> vampires, about her premonitions, about everything. I would be, yeah. I would feel absolutely no remorse. I would be like, yeah, Bella, guess what? <laughs> you won't believe it, but you're going to be with Edward forever and you're going to be a vampire. Can you believe it? <laughs> Edward says something weird too, like right before that to Bella. He says, if you let anything happen to yourself, anything at all, I'm holding you personally responsible. Do you understand that? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. It's like... This is, like, a conversation that they've been having throughout the entire book of, like, him being, like, you need to take responsibility for being around me. And then, but he's also being, like, I'm so sorry. I should, like, this is my fault. I shouldn't bring you into this vampire world. I don't know if that's him just trying to get her to take it seriously or, but it's, like, irresponsible of him to say that. And he's turning her over to the care of two vampires. And instead of, like, I mean, obviously it's implied that they have to take care of her. Obviously, like, that's what's going to happen. But then yeah. to be like, you need to be careful. It's like, what the fuck is she gonna do? Like, she's she gonna has be no with agency. Alice and Jasper, yeah, like, they've got this. If they had gone with Edward's plan and she had been ju- been just with Edward, that would be like hell. She wouldn't be able to do anything. I mean, she can't do anything in this situation either when she's holed up. But like, oh my god, he'd be insufferable. I'd be like, just let James get me. Yeah, like at least like Alice and Jasper like leave the room and let her sleep. Like he yeah. would be like. Yeah, like the watching whole her time, sleep. Like, yeah. Well, we don't stand this king in chapter 18. <laughs> no. <laughs> chapter 19, the saddest chapter. It's called Goodbyes. Do you want to do a love at first bite now or do you want to do it after this chapter? I guess we should do it now. Should I make it up as we go along? Yeah. <laughs> this person is 500 years old. <laughs> 500. Okay, such 2,000 minus 500 is 1,500. Yeah, this person's 500 years old. The photos, um, they're beautiful. She has beautiful red hair. Just like <laughs> very witchy and she seems like she seems like she has um like a crystal collection. <laughs> and um but also like it's like a weird cross between like crystal witch and like biker chic, you know? It's like a good vibe, um, like a little bit unhinged, but like in a way that's adventurous. So like yeah. you might want to go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of photos that are like that, suggesting that very energy. <laughs> and then the bio is <sighs> searching for my coven, world traveler, cottagecore lesbian. Cottagecore lesbian. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what do we add? The song? Oh my God. The song is... God, what's that song? Kiss with a Fist by Florence and the Machine. Oh my god. <laughs> it's Victoria. Yeah. 100% I would go for it. Yeah. Yes. Of course. <laughs> of course. Oh my god. Uh, she deserves Sex better. Rights. Yeah, she deserved yeah. better after reading her backstory. Like, it's annoying that she fell into the, like, relationship with James. Like, I feel like if I were Victoria's friend, like, not that she had any at that point because they were all dead, but I would be like, you're way better than him. She is. Like, way better. Like, their relationship sounds like, like, it could be toxic, just like, like a weird obsession thing. The way, the way that, like, it was described in the the illustrated guide is that immediately upon meeting, Victoria realized that James was her mate, but that James never felt the same. Wait, is that possible? I don't know. It says so. So it says that, like, James was never, like, as into it as she was but just like when a like was still interested in her but i think it's like about the chase for him like yeah very much he can't form real relationships and he liked her still but like wasn't it wasn't like a mate like he still was like seeking like alice and stuff like that like a way that okay let's talk about this so <laughs> the way that they talk about the chase like he chases after people of all genders and species but the way that they talk about the chase of like Victoria and the way that they talk about mm-hmm. the chase of Alice, I feel are both like very creepy and sexual. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, how self aware is he when he's doing these things? Like, if I were Victoria, I would be like, This man was trying to kill me. This man was trying to kill me. <laughs> and now I'm in love with him. And now he's going after someone, like another human. And he's so fascinated by her and so obsessed with her. I feel like I'd be jealous. I mean, I wouldn't, because I don't experience jealousy. Yeah. Right. But I feel like but if you were a her. normal person would be jealous. Yeah, or at least suspect. Yeah. It's not, like, dissimilar to Edward and Bella. Yeah. And that, like, the strange pull and, like, the almost killing. and But it is it is quite different, I think, in practice. I don't know. Chapter 19. God, I don't even... I don't like this one. It's devastating. <laughs> so oh. they get to Bella's house. 
Edward's really insistent on this whole 15 minutes thing. You know what I could do in 15 minutes? Take a whole shower. <laughs> I could. And I would. <laughs> like, I would just shower. I wouldn't say bye to Charlie. I would just take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bella's being so, like, so performative and dramatic right now. Oh, God, I hate it. It's this very heroine-esque moment where she's taking control of the situation, but it's done so dramatically and, like, she, like, tells Edward she loves him and, like, kisses him dramatically and she says, don't listen to another word I say tonight and then slams the door in his face and says, go away, Edward! <laughs> it's extremely, like, sitcom That moment is so wild. <sighs> okay, this whole thing sucks. I hate it so much. She has to convince Charlie that it's a good enough reason for her to leave town by herself as an underage teen and not have him yeah. follow or call the fucking National Guard on her. I hate it, though. <laughs> I feel so <laughs> sad. This would be so hard for me. This sounds bad, but it's not even because it's, like, hurtful, but because I hate lying. Ah. Uh, In situations like this. Yeah. It's not that I don't lie. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like... Lie right now. <laughs> you always do this <laughs> it's just that like I, like ever since i was a kid i couldn't even like play pranks on people <laughs> yeah yeah i'm a great liar what confused me was that bella is aware of the of the words that her mother used to break up with charlie and i'm like how did you know that because obviously you weren't old enough to acknowledge it so it seems she was like a baby she had a conversation she must have had a conversation with her mom must have told her, her mom yeah like when she grew up to understand it enough that like gave in detail enough detail that she was able to like use it against charlie in this moment like gave enough detail that said like the words that she used like that seems like way too much information to give your child about the breakup that you had for sure oh my god (laughs) renee (laughs) i always forget until charlie brings it up that bella's talking about going home to phoenix but like renee's not there apparently they're coming back in a week because minor league baseball is not going well, so apparently Phil's is a, not a good baseball player. <laughs> yeah, this part is where it gets kind of spooky, scary. It's like Bella's having, like, jump scares and, like, screaming out loud in the car. Blood-curdling scream, Because yeah. Edward is driving and, like, pulls her across the car to make him drive. And then Alice and Emmett are, like, coming up on them. Edward gives her no warning, which I feel like he can hear them coming and should. Give her yeah. a warning, like... He's kind of changed his tone here, too. Now he's the one who's being reassuring. Which I guess makes sense. Like, usually when one person's freaking out, the other person is suddenly really calm. My favorite Bella line, I think, is is um in this section on 397. He tells her, don't forget this was your idea. And she says, it was the best idea. Of course it was mine. Virgo. Virgo shit. That is, like... <laughs> th- that's just such a good, like, standalone Bella quote. Yeah, absolutely. That demonstrates who she is. I mean, just like we were just saying about the tracking stuff, Edward explains here how the tracking works, and it kind of, it plays into what we were just saying about, like, it being creepy and sexual. There's a lot of, like, power violent stuff. It's almost like it's just beneath the surface enough for you to not have to, like, confront it if you don't really want to, if you're reading the book, you know what I mean? Like, you can ignore the, like, implications of, like, the violence. The weird part of it is that the reason they think james is so interested is because of edward's reaction right so it's like this competition like a dominance competition between these two males vampire males yeah he's not used to being thwarted no matter how insignificant the object he thinks of himself as a hunter and nothing else his existence is consumed with tracking and a challenge is all he asks of life it's it's pretty disgusting (laughs) yeah and he also like says and he's kind of joking, but he says, like, if you didn't smell so appallingly luscious, he might not have bothered. And it's like, Right, it is, it is partially your fault, is what he says. Yeah, he's yeah. like, don't victim blame her for smelling good. The equivalent of that, like, if this were, like, sexual violence or whatever, would be telling someone, like, it's kind of your fault because you're so beautiful. Yeah. Well, like, if you weren't so attractive up. to them, like, they wouldn't come after you. And it's like, ugh, Right. Ugh. Gross. Like, you should be flattered because they like you it's like read the room that's not what people want to hear right now they have a conversation about how to kill vampires they talk about how you have to like tear them apart and burn the pieces this is never really addressed but like they very intentionally pair those two together it's like what if you tear someone apart and you don't burn the pieces and you let them sit there do they reattach yeah they can can crawl back together that's disgusting i'd love to see it i think it happens in eclipse with riley oh yeah 
his arm. Oh, I'd like yeah. to see them like really torn apart and then just like like spider crawl back to each other. Yeah, totally. So fucked up. Also, it's like like what about just burning? Is it because like if if you light them on fire, they can still like move and they can escape? Like I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They don't really go into the mechanics very much. Maybe they do in like Eclipse when they're preparing to like fight the newborn army. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. This is also one of my favorite parts. Three ninety nine. Emmett had my door open before the truck was stopped. He pulled me out of the seat, tucked me like a football into his vast chest, and ran me through the door. Which is, like, so funny because it's, like, Edward's there and Emmett is, like, I got it. I got it. Like a football is the funniest comparison. Like, I can picture him doing it so easily and it's, like, I choose to believe that he broke a door. Yeah. Like, he went through a door. He didn't open. It wasn't an open door. He busted through the wall. Absolutely. (laughs) For fun. Laurent is there when they get home and he's apologetic but unwilling to become involved in the conflict in any meaningful way, which is... Right. Uh, disappointing but understandable. He like confirms that James is absolutely lethal, a tracker. And in charge of the coven. Yeah, the leader. Oh, and then this wild part that throws me every single time when Esme um, touches a keypad and it, and then the wall groans, a huge metal shutters, seals up the glass wall. And for what? kind of what? rich people shit is that? And for what? Yeah. Like for, for the what? werewolves, the only like foreseeable threat in the area, like they've never had a conflict like this before. So it seems a little extra. Like obviously like it's good that they have it. Like always be prepared. Blah, blah, blah. But like <laughs> for what? The fucking werewolves are going to like run through your glass windows and attack you in your home. Like they're not going to do that. I don't know. Like are they worried that James is watching through the window? I don't know. This, this thing that irks me throughout the whole, this whole section is the continuous referral to Victoria as the female yeah also i don't like i don't like anything but um (laughs) this moment is the first rosalie moment in the whole fucking book and it makes her look like a monster but edward says get upstairs and change clothes she rightfully says why should i what is she to me except a menace a danger you've chosen to inflict on all of us and bella's like hurt and it's like maybe if edward asked and said rosalie would you please trade clothes with her she wouldn't right. react so strongly. Like, yeah. don't order your sister around. Right. Like, you're not in charge of this family. Carlisle is. Bella's anticipating him, knowing him to be angry, anticipating his lashing out at her, and she says, he surprised me. He looked away from Rosalie as if she hadn't spoken, as if she didn't exist. What the fuck, man? What a fun oh dynamic. Like, she yeah. must, he must have read something in her head that was like, it's not worth pressing it. Like, I'm gonna fucking die if I push this dude. <laughs> like further yeah true yeah i mean like you can tell that like their relationship has gotten to the point where it is almost non-existent and it's like that doesn't really get repaired until breaking dawn when they have a baby (laughs) i know maybe i mean at the end of new moon rosalie's like thank you for fixing my dumb mistake and saving his life but yeah but like that's kind of they're not on good terms you know no she's willing to like throw down for bella and the cullens as a collective in a way that she's usually not after like it isn't in twilight she becomes more willing to fight for bella and them but it, yeah. it's really like not perfect or like good until they have her esme and then she changes clothes with esme instead poor esme has to wear bella's flannel and jeans honestly sounds gay um what are we doing i asked breathlessly as she set me down in a dark room somewhere off the second story hall oh my god oh my god and then they like get on un- get undressed in the dark it's like it's just so funny i love that they're like this is in the dark like stephanie made this happen in the dark so she's bella no couldn't homo. really see what was going on yeah. yeah she's a no homo can you imagine if bella saw esme's perfect vampire boobs yeah <laughs> like she would never go back to edward she'd be like excuse me <laughs> thank yeah. you moment of silence for that yeah 402 at the bottom they're discussing which cars who's who's gonna take what car very important card things are happening stephanie meyer always throws in this shit about cars and it's like please stop trying to push this car narrative on me i don't care like every car looks the same to me like you can't convince me there's a difference between any of these cars there's only one car there's only one car and it's the yellow like Maserati or whatever. Yellow Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. Edward is dead inside. 
he like kisses her goodbye and it's such a weird moment it's not tender at all i want to know what's going on in his head i feel like he's he... like defensively detaching from her yeah or something probably. like i like yeah. i don't know i think he's really angry with himself but this is like my favorite this moment between jasper and bella and also alice yeah oh my god (laughs) i forget that i like actually do like jasper we get so little of him yeah he's good though when he is around he says you're wrong you know he said quietly what i gasped (laughs) (laughs) i can feel what you're feeling now and you are worth it Mm-mah. chef's kiss excellent <laughs> chef's kiss. Um, oh, he's so kind to her here alice comes out holds out her arms and says may i and bella says you're the first one to ask permission and then she picks her up and it's like my love language is quality time with alice and jasper <laughs> <laughs> my love language is being picked up and carried by alice <laughs> yeah my love language is jasper telling me words of affirmation that i'm worth it oh my god it's just like this is something that makes me wonder he clearly can feel extremely specific emotions not just like general emotions have you seen like those like wheels of emotion and it's like bad mad sad glad or whatever yeah you made me use that oh one yes time. i did yes of course that sounds like me <laughs> It's like he he doesn't just have like a sense like is someone feeling good are they feeling bad are they feeling scared are they feeling neutral like bored or whatever he has enough emotional like acuity into like how they how they're feeling that he can identify that she's feeling specifically unworthy which is like very specific I feel I love that moment cool so we should plug something for the end of this episode we should plug black owned business that we frequented in the last yeah i would like to plug this this restaurant in san diego called surf and soul spot that i went to they had like a special menu because they are getting a lot more business than usual i believe and so they had a special limited menu with like a few different options and i got a catfish plate fried catfish mac and cheese candy dms that were Nice. so good and cornbread and it was so good like literally like i was eating it and i was um telling jj like i think it's the best food that i've eaten in like honestly probably months that's incredible i'll also plug a business here in portland yardy tang is a jamaican restaurant that has also been getting a ton of business the last couple days we got them for lunch today and had really amazing jerk chicken and plantains like she opened at like 12 and then like sold out by like 1 30 and had yeah. to close orders for an hour and then reopened <laughs> yeah it's what's happening so, around here like it's awesome it's amazing the increase in business like i hope it really like keeps up momentum but, like and also helps them rebuild post-covid because i'm sure that a lot of them are hurting yeah cool well you should end it that's all forks updated about the podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at at genderforking for more twilight content from us you can follow our blog at bowlingshirtbellows.tumblr.com for other inquiries email us at bowlingshirtbellows at gmail.com if you're interested in supporting the production and maintenance of this podcast head to patreon.com slash genderforking the music you are hearing is from oh lucifer